just gonna say that maybe it's gonna be prophetic <laughs> that we saying I'm gonna see a victory today. <laughs> All right, enough of the cowboy stuff. All right, so uh, if you're new today, we have been going through a sermon series called Habits, and this sermon series is built around habits. It's, it's the process of us actually looking at our lives and asking the question, how are we doing with the habits that God wants us uh, to live out? And it's a little bit different in the sense of um, we're kind of looking at what actually happens with our habits when we look below the surface. Um, a lot of times when we think of habits, uh, we think about uh, just what we see, what's on the outside. It's kind of like an iceberg. As you guys have heard or uh, understood that uh, icebergs, 80% of an iceberg, is it below the surface or above the surface? It's below, which is the reason why we say that's just the tip of the iceberg, meaning there's a lot more else that's going on. And so we've been going through this journey of going, what is godly habits that God wants us to do? And in order for us to actually move into those habits, um, uh, healthy habits, good habits, we've got to actually look below the iceberg and ask the question, are they built upon a firm foundation? Because if they're not, uh, those habits slowly, they go away. And so we've been looking week after week, what, what's below the iceberg that actually leads to a habit? In week one, we talked about, do we have habits that we actually fear the Lord in? Do we actually look at the things that we do and say, man, I need to reevaluate what I'm doing. And am I actually wanting to honor the Lord with my life? Am I wanting to honor the Lord in the things that God's called me to? And what does it look like to actually start habits that, that honor and revere the Lord and having a fear of the Lord? Step two, uh, Nathan uh, already spoke of it this morning, that if before anything else, we're a child of God. And when we understand that, then we can begin to say, okay, well, if that's who I am and that's what God's called me to be, then there's certain things that God's called me to actually live out and build habits around. Um, and the reality of it is, is for some of us, we have never actually had habits that stick in our lives because they're actually built upon an identity that's apart from, from Jesus, apart from God. And so uh, when we understand who we are, then we have the abilities we started talking about last week to go, because I'm a child of God, I'm going to stop doing these things that, that are not helpful. And they don't lead to life, they lead to death. And so we talked about that last week, about um, we need to stop the things that don't line up with the identity that God's called me, called you, called us to. This week, we're going to start now for the first time this week and next week as we wrap up the sermon series. We're going to start addressing the stuff that is above the surface. We are going to start talking about habits that begin to be seen from not only maybe people that you're closest to, but also just the public view. And we're going to look at it from this perspective is first, I want you to recognize that much of what we normally do isn't a result of your conscience choices or maybe you even brought them to your conscience, but they're a result of just, just daily habits, just things that you do, that you get up and you start doing. So I would guess that every single one of you, when you wake up in the morning, every single day, there are things that you just start doing, right? Like every single day, you start doing. And this became really evident to me is I had to start taking new medication about six months ago. And it was crazy how that habit was like hard to even start because I already had a routine and it didn't involve taking medication. And so you know what I had to do in order to remember? I literally had to put the medication right in the sink so that when I got done brushing my teeth, that was the cue to then what? Take my medication. 
And if I didn't start that habit in that moment that I would actually start building um, cues to actually build upon the next thing, I would, I would forget my medication. And it, I'd take it for like two days in a row, and then I would forget for two days. I'm like, man, all I'm doing is taking a, a medication. Why is it so hard? Why? Because I already have built-in routines that I do every single morning. And honestly, 2023 is a year where I'm having to stop my morning routine and go, what do I want to change? Who does God want me to become? And what are the things that God wants me to start building into my habits that is good for me, not only for the Lord, but also for, for my health? All of you have a routine. All of you have habits. A lot of times we don't stop and go, what's my routine? What's my habits? And what does the Lord want me to actually grow in when it comes to these habits? And I just want to ask you this question. What if you were to just spend time going, you know what? I know the Lord wants me to become somebody different. I know the Lord wants me to grow into new areas of my life. And what if you began to actually think intentionally about every aspect of your life, including what you do after you brush your teeth? What if we just thought intentionally about these, all these things that actually begin to um, compile or compound that it would actually help you become the person that God wants you to become. If you live that intentionally, and I guess my next question is this, is do you think God cares about all those little things? I think he does. We're gonna look at a story today that uh, honestly is probably becoming one of my favorite parts of the Old Testament that speaks to this idea of God caring about the small things. And I'm hoping today that you'll be able to keep up with me because we're gonna talk about three or four different characters. And the last thing I want for you today is you leave here going, man, he talked about a whole lot, but I didn't really get what the heck he was talking about. And so I just wanna lay a foundation so that we kind of understand all the different characters that we're talking about. And these characters, maybe you've never even heard. Um, and if you have heard, maybe it's just been briefly. But these characters, these guys um, are amazing people of God, amazing leaders. And their habits, they mattered. They're in a really crucial part for Israel. Who are some of these people? The first one is, is a guy named Zechariah. Everybody say Zechariah. This is a, a guy who is a prophet that is writing during uh, the rebuilding of the temple. If you don't know the story, God is actually bringing his people back from, they were in Jerusalem, they went to a foreign country. Does anybody remember that foreign country? It was Babylon. Babylon. And God is beginning the process of bringing them back. And he's bringing them back in kind of waves. And Zechariah is actually a prophet that speaks about the rebuilding of the temple. And the book of Zechariah has visions, has dreams that Zechariah receives. And he's offering the Israelites hope that this 70-year captivity that God said that you were going to go to Babylon and be there for 70 years, it's coming to an end. And so Zechariah is writing about these, these visions, these dreams, and actually trying to inspire and motivate God's people to begin to rebuild the temple. There's another prophet at that time named Haggai. Haggai is another prophet with Zechariah that continues to talk about the historical narrative of the rebuilding of God's temple that was completely destroyed in Jerusalem. And so you've got Zechariah, you've got Haggai. Everybody say Haggai. Now you've got Ezra, 
who is the priest and author of the time that communicates again the story of the rebuilding of the temple, but also the beginning building of Jerusalem's walls. And he's specifically tasked with helping God's people become accountable to the religious and civil laws of the people. And if you know your, story, your history later on, Nehemiah comes and rebuilds the whole walls of Jerusalem. And so this is a big, big time in the story of Israel's people as they're coming from Babylon back to Jerusalem and beginning to rebuild their society, rebuild the temple where God's people worshiped and, and gave offerings. And in addition to that, we've, we've got um, all sorts of different things that are happening in regards to uh, infrastructure that's being built, um, the temple being rebuilt, people coming back together, getting back to the habits and routines of what they were like when they were in Jerusalem. In the midst of being faithful to God in Babylon, they've been tried and tested, and now they're coming back to Jerusalem, and they're starting to rebuild their life. In addition to that, we've got two priests, Zerubbabel and Jeshua, there's 50,000 people that are coming back and starting to rebuild their life. Uh, Ezra chapter 5, one through, two, uh, 1 through 2 says this. At the time the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, son of Edu, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem. They prophesied in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. And then Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, responded by starting again to rebuild the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them and helped them. So a lot of different characters, okay? A lot of different moving parts that are taking place. What was it about Zerubbabel and Jeshua's faithfulness that God looked at and said, I'm blessing this, and I like it, and all of that, God rejoices over it. What is it? Zechariah tells us in chapter 4. He said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel, it is not by force nor by strength but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies, nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. Why? Because it's of the Lord. And the, thing that the, the things that the Lord wants, God, God sees them to fruition. But he says this, it will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel, this priest, sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it. May God bless it. And then another message came to me from the Lord. So Rubabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. In verse 10, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord. What's that next word say? The Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. What is this passage saying? What God is saying to Zechariah and to his people is that whatever the Lord wants to see fruition, there will be nothing that stops it. But here's the thing. Those visions, those dreams, those realities, the things that I want Israel to become, I love it when my people choose to surrender and partner with me to see the small little beginnings, the small habits actually begin. And God says that he actually rejoices in it to see his people actually look to start something new and small to bring glory to him. Now you might be saying, well, Justin, we're talking about building a temple here. Like God rejoices 
in these small beginnings on the re rebuilding of the temple. But I mean, how does that apply to my daily life? Like I'm not building a temple. And I would argue the Bible says something about what is the temple? Your body, your life. And if God cares about the rebuilding of a temple where his people worship a building, I would argue he cares about you as a person as well. That the small things that God has put in your heart to start, whether they're big, medium, or small, God looks at those things and says, I'm rejoicing over you, the new things that you want to start in your life, the things that I see you growing up inside of you, those, those moments when you wake up in the morning and you do a small thing of opening up his word and seeking him, small thing, 15 minutes, half hour, God rejoices over it as he sees these are humble, small beginnings to something greater that he's sending you to. These are the things that God looks at in your life and says these small things, these small next steps, I rejoice over them. In addition to that, I just want you to think about Zerubbabel. I want you to think about Zechariah. I want you to think about these guys. And even though they were starting the small steps of rebuilding the temple, of getting up every morning and putting work in, and God's rejoicing over that little work, go with me. In order for them to rebuild the temple, there were probably a lot of other habits below the rebuilding of the temple that they had to put in place. Are you with me this morning? Just like the iceberg, there were things that he had to do to be intentional about starting to rebuild the temple. And did God look at those things and go, that's my boy? I absolutely believe that. Little things. Like maybe he had to get up earlier than he normally did because he had to take care of, I don't know, his bratty kids as he's getting ready to go and work on the temple. I don't know, right? Maybe he had to go and spend extra time with people in order to get them aligned and unified towards the vision that he had for them, that God had for them. All these little things, God takes into account the life that we live and all the little things that ultimately are meant to bring glory and honor to him. And God says, these humble beginnings, these small beginnings, these things that you're starting, I rejoice over them. I rejoice over them. It reminds me of passage where it says that God sings over his children. You think about that? That God actually sings over you? He rejoices over you? That when we choose to start new habits that bring glory and honor to him, he rejoices over your life. And he says, that's my daughter, that's my son. God loves when we start new things that bring glory to him. God loves it. Now here's the thing. Even though God loves it, there is opposition to rebuilding this new temple in Jerusalem. There's pressure from the neighboring Samaritans to not rebuild. Ezra chapter four tells us 16 years the rebuild is halted. 16 years. Why don't you think about that for a second? We moved into this facility uh, a little over three years ago. Can you imagine halfway through, we get opposition from the city, we get opposition from neighbors, and we wait for 16 years. Y'all are shaking your head like, uh-uh, ain't happening, right? But I, but I just want you to think about this for a second. I think it's a testimony to our, oftentimes, our lack of faithfulness. 
This is a story of God's faithfulness of his people. That they continued to endure in the midst of opposition. They continued to, to plug along, even though a lot of times the people just, they just quit. 16 years. Excuses began to creep in about the timing not being right. Uh, we read in Ezra chapter 1. And then God's people began to focus on themselves over God's call. And it became an unfruitful distraction, talks about in Ezra chapter 1. Which reminds me of this, this reality. When it comes to starting new habits, even the small things that God's inviting you into, you're always going to have an enemy. You're always going to have obstacles. You're always going to have naysayers. And even yourself gets in the way of your new life and habits that God is calling on you to start. And so it's January 22nd. Those new habits that you committed to on January 1st, have you experienced obstacles? Naysayers? Critics? Have you yourself gotten in the way of the things that God's calling you to? I can tell you right now, I've gotten in my way a lot in the last 22 days. Supposed to run four miles on Friday to get ready for Roby Creek. Didn't happen. Why am I doing it? So I can get healthier. Why? Because I want my life to have the largest impact possible while I'm here. Whether the Lord takes me when I'm 38 or 68, that's not in my control. That's the Lord's decision. But I will do everything in my power to stay healthy between here and then. So am I going to quit? No. Time to go to work this week. What about you? What are you getting in the way of? What are you allowing other people to get in your way of the habits that God wants you to do, the new beginnings, the small steps that God says, I rejoice over? Are you willing to lean into those things? I love what Craig Rochelle says. He says this, why is it that so many of us are inconsistent with our goals? It's because we often have an all or nothing mindset. If we fail one time, don't run on Friday. We think we blew it. We might even think we're a failure. Identity, who are you? With that unhealthy mindset, we're tempted to think I failed, so, I for, so forget it. And that's why we have to remember that being consistent isn't the same as being perfect. There's such a big difference. When it comes to your goals, you're wise to give yourself grace to fail occasionally because being consistent is not the same as being perfect. If you miss a day, don't miss two. Keep going. Don't give up. Remember, God has given you everything you need to do what God has called you to do. So right now, things start unraveling when it comes to those New Year's resolutions, those things that God's put on your heart to grow in. We're four weeks in. You're experiencing some failure. Are you willing to say, you know what? I'm going to actually trust God's identity for me. what he speaks over me. And I'm going to continue to start and start and start and restart until it becomes a habit, until it becomes who I am. I love Haggai chapter one. Haggai chapter one says this um, about this whole situation. It says, Zerubbabel and Sheltiel, Jeshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey the message from the Lord their God. And when they heard the words of the prophet Haggai from whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Hey, doesn't that sound familiar? Begin to fear the Lord, week one. 
Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people the message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. And they began to work on the house of the Lord uh, of their God, the Lord of Heaven's army, on September 21st of the second year of King Darius's reign. Then on October 17th of that same year, the Lord sent another message from the prophet Haggai. Say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to this remnant of God's people there in the land. Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? As he's helping them look back and remember what it actually looked like, to look back and to be reminded of the glory and splendor of God's temple. How in comparison does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all, but now the Lord says, be strong. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people still left in the land, and now get to work, for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt, so do not be afraid. This is a message to them, but I think it's a message to us this morning. It's time to start. It's time to start the things that God's called you to start and to trust him in the midst of the, uh, of the failure. God loves when we start new things that bring glory to him. The reality is we've got to grab hold of this statement. What is it that God wants me to start? That question, what does God want me to start? Have you thought about that? You know, like, yeah, I've been thinking about it for a month. How are you doing with that? And are you willing to restart over and over and over again. Here's the reality, is your life is the sum total of all the decisions, even the small decisions that you make. Your life is the sum total of all the small decisions that you make. I love what my professor in Bible college said. He put it this way. He said, you are what you are by the choices that you make. You are what you are by the choices that you make. And what would it look like for you to begin the process of evaluating your life and looking at all the small decisions and ask the question, what is the one habit that I need to start? What is the one habit that God wants me to start? And understand that those small things, God rejoices over those things. He loves it when he sees you start new things. It's no different than when it comes to my own kids. Some of you guys don't have kids. Some of you do have kids. Some of you guys are grandma and grandpa. How much joy do you have when your kids start new things, right? Have you noticed that? Like one of the things that I'm noticing about Noah is his intellectual ability at 12 years old to debate me, which is a fine line, right? <laughs> like there's a fine line of like, is he respectful? Is he trying to get his own way? But there's also this fine line where I'm like, man, he's pretty stinking smart. And I kind of like to debate a little bit. And he's starting to learn how to think critically, starting to learn how to think deeper. And you know how I know that? Because not only how he debates with me, but also this, when we sit at the dinner table together and I say, who wants to pray for us? And Noah goes, I'll pray. And he starts praying things where I'm like, man, when I was 12 years old, I wasn't praying that new habits, new conversations, new things. And the Lord looks down and goes, that's my boy. It's no different on how God sees you, on the new things that he's inviting you into to trust him in. 
What would it look like for you to start something new this year? And it doesn't have to be big. A couple things for you to think about. You want to be a God-fearing disciple of Jesus? Don't hit snooze. Or maybe hit it once. Because maybe you hit it four times and wake up your spouse for an hour before you actually get up. Maybe you just hit it once. And that gives you the margin, the time to actually get up, get dressed, brush your teeth, start a cup of coffee, and open up the Bible in your living room. You want to be a good spouse? What if you prayed with your spouse every day? And maybe, maybe there would be some prayers that are long and quote-unquote meaningful, but maybe it just starts with just literally praying and saying thank you to God for your spouse, and that's it. Little. Let me say, that's scary. Yeah, I know it's scary. <laughs> but what would it look like if you start praying with your spouse every single day? Because this is the small step, the small beginning that God has you to start now because he's going to have you start praying for stuff way bigger into your future of your marriage. What does it look like for you to maybe be someone who actually cares about other people, learn to become more selfless, not selfish? So what if you said, I'm going to choose to be thankful for something every single day. I'm going to journal it. I'm going to write it. I'm going to write a card every single day of appreciation. At the end of the day, I'm going to ask my family, ask myself, what did, what did I appreciate? What, what, what should I be thankful for today? Maybe you want to be a godly example to your teenager. What does it look like to read the Bible with them every single morning? Like when? Do you drive your teenager to school? If not, do it before you leave. But as you're heading to school, open up a devotional. Read on the way to school. Talk about it as you drop them off. What small thing is it that God is asking you to start that he's going to rejoice over? When we choose to start a new life and new habits that God calls us to, here's the thing. Those habits begin to have an impact. Just like I spoke over you guys this morning. And we talked about the reality of us singing here today, this morning. You may not be in a place where you can sing, but when you start interacting with God's people who are singing on your behalf, it changes the environment. It changes hearts. It changes what's going on. And when those things begin to happen, they begin to have a compound effect in your life. That's how the Spirit works. And there's going to come a moment where you look back in your life and you go, man, because I started that habit, God's fruitfulness and his faithfulness has actually multiplied it. And we see that in the story of God's rebuilding of his temple. I want you to look at this last passage this morning. Ezra chapter 3. This is into the future as the building, the te God's temple is actually uh, finished and completed. I want you to think about that for a second. The Jerusalem's temple completely destroyed. God's people shipped off to Babylon for 70 years. They come back and they begin to rebuild his temple. The long process of being committed to being faithful to what God's calling them to do. All the small little habits beginning to grow and compound effect that's taking place. I want you to look at this conclusion. 
When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes, took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David had prescribed, with praise and thanks. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. All those years, all those months, all those days, all those hours, all those minutes started with a small beginning that God began to rejoice. God said, this is the small beginnings of something greater that's coming. Then all the people gave a great shout praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple, I love this picture. They'd seen the first temple, wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy and the joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. Why does, why does God rejoice over small beginnings? Because the small beginnings, the small habits, the new things that you're putting into your life right now, God's saying there's a great, great, great fruitfulness in the future that's coming. And you're going to look back and go, man, that little thing that God called me to do, small disciplines leading to really big, really big impact. What does it look like for you to be obedient to the little things that God's calling you to be obedient in? And if you haven't started, what's stopping you? What's stopping you? I'll just tell you this. I never in a million years, million years, figured that I would be where I'm at right now, preaching God's word to his people. And you know where, you know where that started? All sorts of little stuff from the time I was eight, nine years old, thinking about God, honestly thinking about eternity. And every single time I take a small step of obedience, God says, I've got more for you. And as I look back at my life, I am so thankful. So thankful that I chose to accept Jesus. What are the small things that Jesus is inviting you into? today as we wrap up based on who you want to become which is one habit you need to start 
you're always going to have an enemy. You're always going to have obstacles. You're always going to get in your own way. What does it look like for you to start and restart? You are who you are by the decisions you make, by the choices you make. But when we choose to start a new life and new habits that God calls us to, it impacts us and it impacts those around us. As we get ready to take communion this morning, I wanna invite you to pray about a couple things. No doubt one of those habits that the Lord's inviting you to start, commit to. I want you to pray about that, but I wanna also invite you to pray for those that are around you, your home, your work, your community. What does it look like to start something that actually impacts them as well? And would you be willing to be committed to those things, believing that God has great things in store for you? If you aren't prepared to take communion this morning, but you would like to take communion, Stephanie has got some communion here. If you just want to raise your hand, she'd be more than willing to give you the elements, piece of bread, cup of juice. I just want to invite you just to bow and spend time with Jesus and think about what it is the Lord is inviting you into this morning.